Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's time to drop the puck. Time for the nightcap. Your home for news and insider info on your Vegas Golden Knights and the NHL. Let's hear from the goalie. Here's Lindsey Brown. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another installment of the Nightcap. We appreciate you choosing to join us to talk some Golden Knights hockey here tonight via CBS Sports Radio 1140 Signal, the Radio.com app, or, you know, in the future, in the podcasting. That, that is also available to you on Apple Podcasts in addition to the Radio.com app. My name is Lindsay Brown, your host always and forever. And tonight I am joined, per usual, by my two trusty sidekicks, Ryan Quigley and Ben Goes. Hello, gentlemen. Hello. Thank you for having us, per usual. How are excited to be here? You do say you sound very excited. Hello, Ben. <laughs> that was Hello. Fair. I'm yeah. very excited. I haven't as seen well. you in like four hours. It's been so it's long. It's been a long time. It's been a long time. It's been a while. It's been a while. Uh, before we get going, guys, where can we find your stuff? Let's start with your social media handles. Correct. Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at RP underscore Quigs. Okay. I'm also on the Twitter machine at, at Ben S. Goats, G-O-T-Z. What's your middle name? That's a mystery. Steve. It's, it's Samuel, isn't it? It is not. Is it Solomon? You know, I'm going to drop that in an article uh, at ReviewJournal.com where okay, I work. Okay, so and the, the night's one last night. To, we'll have to find it there. Yes, we will have to uh, uncover the, the mystery that is your middle name right there, Ben. Uh, Golden Knights won last night. They played the Vancouver Canucks, and honestly... They almost won every single game that they that they played since we've last been on this show. Their only loss coming at, at the hands of the defending Stanley Cup champions, the St. Louis Blues, just, I think it was a Thursday night? Was that th- last Thursday night? Thursday night, night and, and that's an Friday. acceptable loss. Yes. It's the Blues. It's they're the Blues. Rather Blues. Good. Yeah, they're very, they're quite good at hockey. Yeah, so. and so why don't we just go through it since uh, we usually in the first segment here in the nightcap, we kind of recap what the Knights did in the past week or so. Uh, they beat the Chicago Blackhawks 5-1 to one after they returned from that super long East Coast road trip. That was a pretty... Uh it was, that game was in the bag early, don't you think, Ben? They rolled over them. The Blackhawks didn't look like they had any interest no. in defending a lick of the ice. Uh, you felt bad for Corey Crawford, who I think actually put in a really good effort there for a while. And then his defensemen and really the forwards, too, just completely let him down. Yeah, the, Chicago's still kind of searching for their identity. And I don't think they're going to find it because there are definitely some teams in that central division that are humming a little bit faster than they are, so to say. And we'll see one of those teams tomorrow night when the uh, Golden Knights take on the Minnesota Wild. Uh, we just mentioned they lost to St. Louis. And it was actually a really good game, too. Like, they had their chances to, to win that game. But as, as you said, Ryan, there's no foul in, in losing in their building. No, like, I mean, it's a tough building. It's a hostile environment. And then you got you got Ryan O'Reilly, who you're playing against. And when you're playing against Ryan O'Reilly, you're probably going to lose. He's fantastic at the hockey. At the hockeying, yes. I think what was interesting about that game is the Knights came out just really well in the first period. They, mm-hmm. they took it to the defending champs in the first period. And the Blues went into their locker room and they said, 
this is not who we are. And, right. you know, pardon the pun, but that was a championship level, like, response by the Blues. <laughs> I mean, they just crushed the Knights in the second period. They go on to win the game. I mean, that was impressive to see from the Blues, kind of them fighting back in the second. And I think the Knights probably learned something from that because that's something that they're searching for of a response of how do you bounce back once someone kind of punches you in the mouth and the Blues show them exactly how you do that. Right. right. And the Blues have been dealing with a ton of injuries this season. So for them to have that ability to yeah. just turn it on, like you said, it's it's impressive in general, but just because they've had to deal with so much inconsistency in their roster and they've lost so many of their top guys to injury and it's not even January yet and they're going to be gone for a while. As you said, championship pedigree, that's about as good as it gets. And Honestly, I wasn't feeling that great about the Golden Knights' chances going into that Dallas game, and I really thought that they were going to start Mark Andre Fleury, and they wanted, ended up going with Malcolm back in Dallas, and and he had faced them just a couple weeks earlier. Ben, you're on both of those road trips. You're very familiar with the Dallas area at this point, and when it comes to that game, and we didn't, I didn't get to watch a, a ton of it because we were on the air during that point, but obviously. To win that in overtime in Dallas, where they had won, I think, was 10 of their last 11 at home, I think is a huge, huge turning point for the Golden Knights, at least going through this Christmas break and this West Coast, uh, this Western Conference, you know, really heavy schedule they have here. Ben, you were there in Dallas. What do you, what did you see from that team as they kind of fought their way back into that game and ended up uh, securing it down at the end in the overtime? Yeah, just kind of that resiliency that I kind of mentioned they learned from the Blues. Uh, Jamie Benn ties the game with about five minutes remaining in the third period. You know, the Stars were down 2-1. Entering the third, they kind of were trying to fight back, couldn't really fight back. The Knights, for the most part, were doing a really good job kind of sitting on that lead most of the third. Mm -hmm. Captain scores for the Stars, 2-2 in Dallas. You're thinking, well, maybe this is not the Knights' night necessarily. And then Max Pacioretty. Uh, with a great backhand move in overtime. So good, in fact, that he decided to use it just a couple days later uh, right. against the Vancouver They Canucks. were, like, almost identical. Literally almost great. identical. Pretty much. Pretty much. Which is insane, because if you know Max Pacioretty, he never deeks. Like, dude's got one of the best wrist shots in the NHL, mm-hmm. right. and he usually uses it, so the fact that he deked not once but twice mm. was really interesting, and it worked both times, and it worked against Dallas, so it's a huge two points for the Knights there. They haven't beaten a lot of really good teams this year. That's been a criticism of the Knights this year. Is they mm. beat the teams that kind of are supposed to beat, and then against kind of the top-level competition, they usually falter. Well, Dallas is a really good team in the Western Conference, and right. the Knights beat them in Dallas's building, and so I think that was a huge confidence boost for that team. They're not the f- same team that started the season one and seven, wasn't that what? One Dallas seven and one. Yeah, like they were just it, they were bad. They were they not were good awful. to start the year. And then like I had a feeling they were going to kind of turn things around just because like they were so good last season, and I just felt like they were a team good enough to kind of replicate what they did last season, maybe even get to the play or uh, to the playoffs. I make some noise play- in the playoffs. A lot of noise. Right. I mean, I'm thinking they could possibly be contending for a Stanley Cup. Even. Mm-hmm. I think they're that good and so they kind of turn things around and i mean you're right that's an awesome team that they beat the other night and for patch ready to score that clutch goal in the end it was just very characteristic of his season that he's had so far well and especially for them to kind of solve the puzzle that is ben bishop and we kind of talked mm-hmm. about it on the playmakers ahead of that game of, of how good of a, a run that he's kind of been on here towards the back half of last season and then going into this season there's really no one in the nhl that's playing better goalie than maybe mark andre Fleury, to be totally honest but Ben Bishop is one of those guys that can 100% shut you down. And it was just very encouraging for me 
because I feel like the Knights have gotten a lot of backup goaltenders or hot goaltenders. So for them not only to solve any goaltender, but to do it in when everything is in the, the Dallas Stars and Ben Bishop's favor, I think is great confidence-wise uh, for the Golden Knights. And I really think that helped carry momentum into that game against Vancouver last night because the Golden Knights were pretty much firing on all cylinders from from the puck drop and it, were, were pressuring uh, right away. And that's something that has, they've done more than one time. It's becoming more of a trend now these days. And so what did you, what did you see from the Golden Knights last night, Ben, that you were really enthused with that you think – Maybe they haven't. They weren't as strong at, at, at that part of their game earlier on in the season. I just think it was overall the fact that for almost that entire game, almost the full 60 minutes, the Knights were competitive. They were in the game. They were playing well. Like I mentioned, they played well for like a period against the St. Louis Blues. Actually, they played well in the third period. So they had two good periods against mm-hmm. the Blues. They probably two good periods against the Dallas Stars. I thought they had three good periods against the Vancouver Canucks, and that's not something I've said about that team most of this year, right. they usually play well in spurts. They can't play well for a full game. So to see them come out and play well all three periods against the Canucks, a team that was right on their heels right. and is still pretty much right on their heels in the Pacific oh, yeah. Division standings, like that was an important win for the Knights to win at home against a team that's chasing them and kind of send that message of like, hey, we're not going away, Like especially because the Canucks are this very young team that's going right. to, I think, probably feeling themselves based on the fact that they're having early success this year. I think it's important for the Knights to send that message of like, we're here, we're not going away, and we're going to put you in your place tonight and let you know that you're still chasing us, not the other way around. Right, and teams like that, uh, that was a really great point, Ben, is that they are a young team, and a lot of the teams in the Pacific Division are major- or the majority of their teams are made up of those young draft guys because there are a lot of teams that have struggled over the last decade, decade or so, inc- including the Arizona Coyotes, who just picked up Taylor Hall today, you know, casually. Fun little tay We're going to dedicate pretty much the entire dump and chase segment to that little transaction, so do not worry. You will need to stick around for that. Um, but when you get those young teams with those inexperience, you know, one of the things I've harped on the Knights this year in terms of you guys got to be able to snap out of those momentum swings quickly. You have to be able to change your own kind of tide. You have to be able to be the person or be the team that is in the driver's seat rather than the passenger seat. But when you're a younger team, you have a much higher tendency to be delegated into that passenger seat because you just don't have the experience. You don't have the, the confidence that so many of these guys needs that veterans struggle with just to bring in right. night in and night out. So that, that was a huge thing for me. What did you see for the Golden Knights last night, Ben? I, just, uh, Ryan? I think they needed a game like that where they just dominated from start to finish, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, they came out, they played strong. What was the final shots? I, I was laughing at it just a second ago. 46 to 29. Well, in the like, second period, it was unbelievable. It was, uh, yeah, it was excellent. They, just, they killed them in the second period. And so, like, they really did need... And this isn't a bad team. Canucks are good. They're like, a damn they good team. They might not make the playoffs this year. They could sneak in, I feel like. But, I mean, they are a good team and they're young and they're fast like you were saying Ben and for them to do this against a team that like you said was on their heels a little bit they definitely needed to just kind of beat up on somebody like just (laughs) maybe they had some bad juju or something they're just like you know what screw these guys let's let's kill them and then they did and so they needed to get this out their system and it really is an exciting, promising win going forward. And this is just right ahead of them taking on the Wild, who they're kind of on a little hot streak here, too. A little bit. A so, yeah. little bit of a hot streak. Strangely enough. Yeah, it's the, the NHL is definitely getting weird this year. A lot of the teams that were finding themselves at the bottom, some of them are still down there, like the yeah. New Jersey Devils. They're basically just going to be at the bottom all they year. Still but, suck. But still Minnesota suck. Wild are one of those teams that were absolutely last place in the league probably less than a month ago, and now they, are, they find themselves 
not only some days in a playoff position, but sometimes just looking uh, um, from the outside. Mm. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Like, uh, and you got we we're we're going to talk about this a little later on, but like the Coyotes, for example, mm-hmm. the Oilers. These mm-hmm. are two teams that just weren't particularly great last year. Although Arizona did kind of have a little push at the end there, you know what I They're mean? They're getting close. They almost, yep. they almost got into the playoffs last year, but it's fun to see the teams that historically haven't been great doing pretty great this season. Right. So. Absolutely. But the Knights are definitely scoring some goals. They put up six on those Vancouver Canucks last night, and we are going to talk a little bit more in depth about that second line, and Max Pacioretty, who finds himself uh, the first star of the NHL, at least just for this week, uh, we are going to take that deep dive on the other side of our first break here. A little breather, guys. We've been talking a lot, or at least I have been. A lot of hockey, a lot of sports. For the nightcap on CBS Sports Radio 1140 and streaming on the Radio.com app. The nightcap. That's a night with a K, as in Golden Knights. Duh. On CBS Sports Radio 1140. And welcome back to the nightcap. As we kick off the second portion of the show, I would like to remind you that it's super, super, super easy to look back or to look back. We can't look. We are a talking medium, guys. We are listening. Uh, It's really easy to listen back to this very show, a past episode, or any future iterations of the Nightcaps. All you got to do is subscribe on Apple Podcasts and and search literally the, include the the, Nightcap. uh, And then make sure you hit that purple subscribe button. You can do the same thing on the Radio.com app. Just search the, include the the. And make sure you hit that little heart in the upper left-hand corner. Uh, my name is Lindsay Brown, your host always and forever on the Nightcap. And I'm joined tonight by Ryan Quigley and Ben Goats. Hello, gentlemen. It's us. Hey, hey, hey. It's us. Don't sound so excited to be here. It's us. And uh, we're here to kind of break down your Golden Knights and where their success is coming from, and specifically the success of their second line. Because Max Pacioretty was named uh, the first star of the week by by the NHL.com, or just the NHL. And the Player of the Week by the and, Players Association. And the Player of the Week by the Players Association. He's, He's a popular man. All of the awards. And he currently leads uh, the Golden Knights in pretty much every offensive statistical category. He has 15 goals, 19 assists, 34 points on the season. Six goals in his last four games, eight points in that span as well. But he's not doing it all by himself. And he, there's been a little change to their line. He's played with Mark Stone pretty pretty consistently throughout this entire season. But when the Golden Knights traded for Chandler Stevenson, uh, and, they, and he suited up for the Golden Knights for the first time on uh, the third of this month against the New Jersey Devils, and scored in that first game uh, that he played for the Golden Knights, things have really started to click offensively, especially for that second line. And that's what I really want to talk to you guys about um, and just get your thoughts on what you guys think is really leading to the success of Max and Mark and, and just the team in general because I feel like there's just there's a diff- different rhythm to this team right now. Ryan, why don't we start with you? Are we? And this is uh, this is just me speculating. I don't know anything. I know very few things. So this is um, true. Is this do do you think this could just be his first season as a Golden Knight? Well, it's his second season, but his first season as a Golden Knight where he's playing totally healthy. Because well, he I'm was banged certain, up last year. I'm not uh-huh. certain he was. I mean, he, he went through a couple injuries last. Missed 16 season. games last year, including a lower body injury. Right. Uh, 
I mean, I think it's clear as day that Patch Ready is skating much better this year. Yeah, and like honestly, like is he the best player on the team right now? Because I think you can't argue. He it. must be. You he's can't leading, argue it. He's leading them in every scoring statistic: points, and shots, assists, shot. Like, and his shooting percentage isn't even that great for his career average. He's actually below his career right. average. So, like, one could say that he's actually been slightly unlucky this season, and he's still leading the team in goals and points. So he's been awesome. I, I, in terms of what's driving him, um, I don't want to point directly to Chandler Stevenson, though he has been a pretty good addition. Um, I think, I mean, he's to me, he's looked like the best player on the team the whole season. Okay. So I feel like just a whole season of playing with Mark Stone, is it's huge. And huge it really for him. Is, yeah. But I think it's all of the off-ice stuff, too, with Max Petrity. I just don't think you can underestimate what last year was like for him. This is a guy who spent his entire career professionally with the Montreal Canadiens. Ten years. Their captain, as an American, which yeah. is huge. <laughs> Stressful. Yeah. Uh, if anyone wants to see what like real fear is, watch Max Pacioretty's introductory press conference oh, yeah. as <laughs> the Canadiens captain, where he is trying his darndest to speak good French to native French speakers. It's like me trying to give a Spanish presentation. You're just stressed out. You're sweating. He's just trying so hard. Right. What he should have done was just troll from the very second. Oh, they would eat him Bonjour. a lot. Bonjour. Bonjour. The, the, the French Canadians are more French than the actual French. Just ask him. <laughs> so he worked so hard to endear himself to that fan base. And then he knew he was going to get traded last summer. He didn't go home to Connecticut, which is where he usually trains in the summer. Didn't go home because he knew Hey, at any moment, like, I got to go. Like, I'm going to have to pack up and go. So he's stressed out the entire summer waiting for that to happen. He has three sons. At the time, his wife was pregnant with son number four. So all of a sudden, he has to move all of them to a new country in a new city right on the eve of training camp. He was traded right towards the end of rookie camp. So then he has to basically practice with new teammates. And then, I know he said this before, he's basically running out after practice and then going to look at schools and homes. Right. So right. He yeah. can, they, lived in the, they lived in Red Rock for a while, didn't they? His entire family? I believe so. So, yeah, that was... There's a lot of sleeping going on in that room with four, soon to be four, but three young boys. You mean oh Red Rock, God. like the hotel? Yes. Red Rock? Really? Yes. I didn't know that. That's right by the... That's, uh, that's where they the house National everyone. Arena. That's funny. Yeah. And, and for me, when it comes to Max and... and I think Chandler Stevenson, while he's not necessarily a game-breaker type no. of trade, yeah. but what he offers this line and what he offered uh, being infused to this roster is that he takes responsibilities and minutes away from guys in certain situations that they weren't getting for earlier on in the season. Like We always talk about Riley Smith and Bill Carlson on the penalty kill, and they, you can often find them out there still to this day. But you're not seeing him going two shifts or doing like a minute and a half of the penalty kill. And I think by, inf- by adding Chandler Stevenson, and specifically adding him to this line, it allows Mark Stone to do what Mark Stone does best. Because Mark Stone can do everything. And he can do, do everything incredibly well. Including Selly, by the way. Including Selly. Oh, my God. His celebrations are the best. And, and we saw we saw a very <laughs> relieved uh, celebration from Mark Stone last night as he scored his first goal in, uh, I think it was eight games yep. last night. And he just screams. Yes. He's just like, ah! He's, <laughs> he's just like very, he's a very like instantaneous, emotional yeah. person. Like he just ate somebody. And it's his... But yeah. just, this is one of my life mottos is, and just because you can doesn't mean you should. And just because you have Mark Stone on your team doesn't mean you should be having him go into corners. Doesn't mean he ha- should be fighting or should be the one with the, the guy with the puck on his stick the most when he's on the ice. I don't think that's a full utilization of his his skills and his abilities. And I think that's what Chandler Stevenson has allowed because we're not expecting offense from Chandler Stevenson. We're not. 
We're expecting him to be a good penalty killer and to be mm-hmm. defensively responsible. And you stick him on a line with a guy who's already very dis- defensively responsible in Mark Stone and Pacioretty, same in his own right. Mm. But you take those responsibilities from Mark Stone, you allow him to chill in that zone and, I, and, and be a playmaker. And this goes back to what just drives me nuts when people are saying line combination, line combination. What if you could have like Crosby, Ovechkin, and McKinnon on the same line, they would be world beaters. Not necessarily. Would do it? Yeah, would they? Like- no, because the when you most teams and most hockey is played best when you have a goal scorer, a playmaker, and a grinder on a line. Not two goal scorers, not two playmakers, mm-hmm. not two grinders. And sure, they can work. But when it comes into your normal five on five rhythmic you know, rotation, that's what you want because that has everybody's duties perfectly outlined of what their responsibilities are on the ice, and it stops and ends there. On that fifth goal that was scored last night, there's a scrum behind the net. Two defensemen are down there and 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 a forward. Puck goes behind the net. Mark Stone gathers it, takes it on that two-on-one, and dishes it for Pacioretty's first goal of that game. I'm like, this is the perfect encapsulation of what exactly this line and what how this team should be constructed and what these goals should look like. Do you, Are you on the same page with me, Ben? Absolutely. And I think when you talk about Max Pacioretty and his year this year, you also, even though I think all that off-ice stuff is really important, yeah. you can't, you know, knock their underestimate the impact that playing a full season with Mark Stone is having on yeah, Pacioretty. Because yeah. when, you, when you see the chemistry of those two guys and how Stone is able to set up Pacioretty just the way that Pacioretty wants right. to be set up, it's so, so crucial to them having success. And I think that's so, so key is to have Stone be able to play make, have Stone be able to right. set up guys. That's something he's so, so good at. And to have him kind of be freed up to do that, I think is, as you've mentioned, been so, so huge for them because his vision is pretty ridiculous. It's at unbelievable times. his passing ability. And what's what's interesting about that tandem is that really they're both they can both score. Obviously, yep. they can both like playmaking. I mean, we've seen Pacioretty make some ridiculous passes this season. Absolutely, all through his career, like he can. They're a best a best of both worlds type player. You know right. what I mean? And when both of them are on the ice together, honestly, it doesn't really matter who you have next. I mean, it does a little bit, but like Chandler Stevenson, he's kind of fitting pretty well as like that third guy. He's right. not. He's certainly not hurting them. That's for sure. He's, right. he's definitely contributing a little bit to their uh, current success. Yeah, absolutely. And those little 10 seconds in the corner, they add up because that energy now, as you said, putting him in the right spot. It's not just setting up the two-on-one. It's making sure that you send that pass over to Max Pacioretty so it hits him right in that perfect spot so he gets all of the one-timer, not part of it, right, right. not just have to change midway to a mm-hmm. wrist shot. It takes pinpoint precision to get that and when you get tired when you shift after shift you're constantly trying to do everything you don't have the focus you don't have the energy you don't have the 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 gas in the tank to make those passes on a consistent base and we were talking about a lot early in the season with the Golden Knights having bad luck maybe it was just we were spending too much gas in some areas of the ice when and and not enough in the others and those are the differences differences of the inches but nonetheless I am a huge fan of this line combination. I have been since they've they've implemented it. And I think it's paying off with through Max, through Mark, and through the rest of the lines because it just it doesn't seem like there's as big of a, a difference when you see like the second line go off and then like Ryan Reeves comes on. You're like, okay, we expect a little bit of a dip in terms of how quick the game is moving, but not a ton, right? Mm-hmm. No, the fourth line looked really, really good last night. Um, which is not that surprising. I think the 
bigger surprising thing last night was that the third line looked really yes, good too. Yes, that's been the yeah. trouble. Because that's exactly that's been the question mark all season. But with Paul Stasny, Alex Tuck, and Valentin Zikov, Zikov looks like a world beater. Really good yesterday. You know, we can crack all sorts of jokes as to why he might have looked good. Oh, uh, we've made all of the jokes, already. but he certainly did look like he was really good on the forecheck yesterday. And so, if that line looks not only competent but like dangerous. That's huge for the Golden Knights, and so they might have been able to kind of solve something there, and they got Stasny on the score sheet. It had been a while since he had had an assist before last night, so all of a sudden you get Paul Stasny producing and producing on the third line because he hasn't really done that this year. He's produced when he's been with Pacioretty and Stone. He hasn't really produced when he's been on the third line, so... To to his defense, he... he, uh, Chemistry is... I always hate... He's been odd man out. Yeah, he's he's always been moving Mm -hmm. all over the place. And and totally, to be fair to him, the third line, for the most part, when he's been on it, has not contained Alex Tuck. It's been Paul Stasny, you're on the third line just to prevent it from being a total drain on this team. You are not there to make this line dangerous. You are there to prevent this line from being, you know, like a minus three tonight. Completely incompetent. Exactly. And so, yesterday, like I said, that line actually looked like it could be dangerous and it could actually contribute to winning rather than just not preventing the Knights from losing. And so if that's how it's going to be moving forward, that's a huge boost for the Knights. Could this be kind of the whole suspension for Zikov? Could this be the wake-up call? Like maybe, the chip that finally may, that finally makes the dip? Right, yeah, yes. yes. Maybe this is what he needed yeah. to get going uh, and kind of kickstart his NHL career. I'm, I'm never going to uh, say a drug suspension was a, was a good wake-up <laughs> call for him. Yeah. Keep in mind, this is a guy who's been on waivers multiple times, including by the Knights I know. very recently. Yeah, they know. put him on waivers after the <laughs> suspension. So if it's taken uh, like multiple times going uh, unclaimed on waivers, and then of course... Uh, a drug suspension to wake you up, you probably should have woken up a little bit right, before. Right. But if anything, it could be finally it getting through and soaking into him, being like, this might be my final shot to right, not just yeah. make this team, but to stay in this league. And it might not be enough for him to even produce at the level he's producing. But nonetheless, I feel like he's looked stronger and stronger each game that he's had. And so have the Knights. I think that they're really starting to get some treads down and, and actually get some traction and, and move forward further than just being like, yeah, that was a good game. I feel like they're starting to build on each victory right, now. Right, I don't know. That's what they made it. You know, I mean, they just had a hard time stringing wins together, and it's good to see them now starting to consistently mm-hmm. get in the win column. Absolutely, and they're going to need a very consistent game tomorrow night as they face off against probably one of the hottest teams in the league, the Minnesota Wild. And the team that gives them the most trouble yes. in the NHL. They, they don't have a very easy time when it comes to those Minnesota Wild. 5-0-1, uh, the Wild are. Are they really? Against, yeah. The lowest points percentage of uh, the Knights have against any opponent is against the Minnesota Wild, and the Wild are one of the three teams who have never lost in T-Mobile Arena. That's insane. They are definitely a big-time opponent for your Golden Knights uh, tomorrow night facing off against Minnesota Wild at T-Mobile Arena, but another big-time opponent that we've seen a couple times before and that the Knights will see a few more times because they happen to be in our division. Yeah, those Arizona Coyotes at the top, the Zona they, Yotes. They, they just added Taylor Hall earlier this afternoon, so Ben, Ryan, and I are going to break that down for you on the other side of this break. We are the Nightcap, streaming on CBS Sports Radio 1140 and streaming on the Radio.com app. Time for a little dump and chase. The Nightcap on CBS Sports Radio 1140. 
welcome back to the Nightcap. We are just about to get underway with our Dump and Chase segment. But before we proceed, if you happen to miss our first segment, any portion of this show or any shows in the future, remember you can listen back to the Nightcap, any Nightcap we're doing in the future. You can do that on CBS Sports Radio 1140.com on the uh, radio.com app. You just need to search out the Nightcap, include the the. Uh, and you can do that at an Apple podcast as well. My name is Lindsey Brown, your host, always and forever. You can find me on Twitter at LindseyBrown35. That's L-I-N-D-S-E-Y, brown like the color, and then the numerical value of 35. And I am joined by Ben Goats of the Las Vegas Review Journal. Hello, Ben. Hello. Hello. And Ryan Quigley of SB Nation. Hello, Ryan. Hello. So usually uh, we have our normal dump and chase segment that happens during the 35th minute of every nightcap because 35 is the greatest number of all time because why gentlemen it's your number it was my number i actually wore it in a peewee hockey so well we are twins forever (laughs) best number there is number 35 and usually we just kind of offer some tidbits some streams of consciousness that we've had over the last week but today there was a big time trade some stuff happened the market was set today by the Arizona Coyotes as they traded for the Tay Tay Hall. Yes, for Taylor Hall. I was Tay-tay. getting there. Thanks for stepping on the touchdown call. <laughs> I, I really to appreciate say, you. I say Tay Tay. No, it's okay. Tay Tay. Tay Tay is heading down to the Arizona Coyotes from the New Jersey Devils. This is not a huge surprise that he was traded. It was just a question of when yeah. and where, and we got both of those answers today. Uh, Taylor Hall goes to Arizona for one first round pick. That is top three protected, right, Ben? Correct. So that means what? So basically, if the Coyotes finish in the top three of the lottery, that they do get to keep the pick. But obviously, the Coyotes' hope is that this trade propels them to a playoff spot. And that that first-round pick ends up becoming a late first-round pick, potentially in the 20s. Yes. So it's not a great asset for the Devils. There's also a conditional third-round pick involved in that deal that can go up to a second if he signs an extension or if the Coyotes advance a playoff round. If both happen, I believe it comes a first. Yes. Yep. So this yep. can turn into a deal that has two firsts. And the Devils also got defenseman Kevin Ball, forward Nick Merkley, and forward Nate Schnarr. Those three are prospects for the Coyotes. I believe they were the number three, number four, and number six prospects, according to ESPN. So... You know, not the Coyotes' top prospects. You know, they're good, good not, ones, though. They're good, good not solid, great. You know. They're all going to turn into, you know, you would think solid, maybe decent NHL players. None of them, of course, are Taylor Hall, who won the MVP a couple years ago. And right. that's the thing. Like, that's why a lot of people are saying, like, wow, the Coyotes gave up a whole lot to get this trade going. But it's like, did they really, though? They gave up quantity, not quality. It's a bunch it depends of, on what they get back. Yeah, it depends if of, they make the playoffs. depends what that pick tickets. turns into. Really, mm-hmm. it's a bunch of lottery tickets. You got these kids who may or may not pan out, and then you got these draft picks that may or may, may not even be that high up. And so, really, the whole thing, it's its kind of uh, an odds game. But, man, I like the trade for Arizona. I think it's pretty good. Not to mention, New Jersey will be retaining 50% yes, of his salary right. as well. So that that's also big. needs to be said. Uh, he is just basically finishing out his big-time deal that he signed with the Devils around five years ago. He is in line to basically be the biggest free agent this upcoming summer. And so that's why you're getting a first pick for him now and then a conditional one, uh, depending if they move, if they win a playoff round and he re-signs, that becomes another first-round pick because that's a contingency. We don't know that for sure. But they get him for the rest of this season. That is one thing that we do know for sure. And those Arizona Coyotes are already at the top of the Pacific Division standings. Granted, not a lot of people are staying in their spots for very long in the Pacific Division because there is a lot of leapfrogging going on, at least early on in the season here. But that team already has Phil Kessel, 
who hasn't even been that good this year. Yeah, who has been way underwhelming. So just think of if he's able to get back on the horse. Uh, they have uh, uh, OEL, yes. Oliver Ackman Larson. Yes. They have the best face-off man in the game, Christian Dvorak, or one of the best face-off mm-hmm. men in the game. They have a uh, potential Vezina Trophy finalist in net as well. Darcy, Darcy Kemper. Kemper. He's of been people. unbelievable. <laughs> Comes out of nowhere. Talking a lot of smack, but he's backing it up for the first time, at least consistently in his career. He, uh, We know him pretty well, Ben. He started his career with the Minnesota Wild. Things just didn't quite percolate there and they ended up trading or he ended up leaving because they traded for Devin Dubnik to save their season as the Wild tend to need to do. But yeah, Darcy Kemper and Antiranta, who's, they're kind of going a tandem style. It's 1A and 1B in the most like definition sense because they're both really good, but Darcy is playing I've never seen him play like this. He's awesome. Uh, Yeah. I mean, no, they've been great but this is the kind of guy they needed. They didn't have that kind of top level scorer. Game breaker. Exactly. And so this is kind of the you know, perfect guy for them to potentially take their offense a little bit over the top because they've been good defensively. They haven't been scoring that much. And even though Taylor Hall hasn't been scoring that much this year. I you think mean Phil? Or, or, sorry. No, you Taylor, Taylor Hall. Taylor Hall, yes. Yeah, he's got 25 points in, I believe, 30 games, but the goals right. really haven't been there. Now you could chalk that up to he's on a really, really bad Real team. Real bad team. That was in its defensive zone a lot, so not a lot of opportunities for Taylor Hall to score, but he'll certainly get more opportunity to score, you would think, with the Arizona Coyotes. We'll see how he adjusts. I do really like, from the Coyote side, that they got him now. Yes. They did not wait until February 25th yeah. to make this move. They said, we want him now. We want him to adjust early so that we're not just getting, you know, his peak play in March once he finally right. settles into Arizona. Right. And trade with his deadline teammates. day deal where it's just you he's going to be, amount you know, to. potentially locked in helping this team in January, you would think now. And that's going to be huge to get basically three months out of a playoff push out of Taylor Hall rather than, you know, like six weeks. And right. I think Hall and... Uh, Kessel on the same line. Like, if that's what they end up doing. Or just the power play. Think of their Their power power play. It's going to be really good. It's going to be so much fun. And, like, they're already a pretty solid defensive team. Obviously, they have very good goaltending, but, like, Man, I mean, just to see how far this team's come over the last couple of years, it's really, it's cool. You like to see that. We were talking about this a little earlier. You like to see teams like this kind of coming into their own and becoming competitive. And I think now that they have a true superstar talent who can score because they have a hard time scoring goals, uh, it's going to do them. It's going to pay dividends. No, you mentioned that, Ryan. I'm curious to see how much their new owner, Alex Morello, who actually owns the SLS here in Las Vegas, had to do with this decision. He got approved this summer. They definitely want to get a new stadium built there at some point. I mean, even Gary Bettman was just saying, you know, where they play now is not going to work for us long term. So you have to wonder how much the new owner was like, hey, we need to make a splash. We need to do something that's going to sell tickets. We need to make the playoffs this year so that we can enter potential like stadium talks with some momentum. So, you know. You have to think that might play at least some part of a factor there, too. Absolutely. It is a definitely a big-time move that puts that franchise all in for this season when they're only, what, three years removed from trading for Pavel Datsuk's contract <laughs> just so they could meet the basement number uh, for payroll. It's crazy how quickly you can turn teams around if certain things happen to go your way and certain opportunities arise in front of you, but you have to take advantage of them, and that's exactly uh, what the Arizona Coyotes did. All right, before we go to break, split second, what comes to your mind? If it ended tomorrow, who's winning the Pacific Division and why? I'll give, I'm still going to give the Golden Knights the edge. That's what I thought coming into the season. They're in the mix now. They seem to be finding their game. I'm just going to stick with kind of what I thought 
preseason and give them the Pacific. Gold Knights for you? I'm going to go with Arizona. Really? Because, yeah, I, I do think that their goaltending is going to be good enough for the entire season that it kind of carries them through. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if Taylor Hall isn't like this point-per-game player like he was uh, a couple years ago when he won the heart, um, he's still Taylor Hall. He's still very, very good. I think he's going to produce enough offense for them to kind of um, get things going for the Coyotes. And I don't know. I think I really, really think that they have the chance to uh, take that top seed in the uh, Pacific this year. Right on. It should be a very, very competitive Pacific division. I'm not ready to fully make my pick, but if I were to choose tomorrow, it would be the Calgary Flames for me. Really? It Coming would on be. strong. It would be the, the Calgary Flames. They're starting to kind of get their things back together. I just I don't see how you can have that much talent on that roster be as dormant for as long as, uh, as it needs to be for them not to win that division. All right, we have one final intermission before we send you all into the darkness. We will retape our sticks. And on the other side, we will take a look ahead at the Golden Knights schedule this week, at least basically through Christmas. Uh, my name is Lindsay Brown. I'm joined by Ryan Quigley and Ben Goats. Uh, this is the Nightcap live on CBS Sports Radio 1140 and streaming on the Radio.com app. Unfiltered hockey talk for Golden Knights fans. It's the Nightcap on CBS Sports Radio 1140. And welcome back to the final portion of this week's edition of the Nightcap. Just a reminder, we are on each and every Monday evening, 6 to 7 p.m. right here on CBS Sports Radio 1140 and streaming on the Radio.com app. If you've missed anything at any time, at any place, just go look it up on Apple Podcasts or on that Radio.com app. Search the, include the, the Nightcap. Make sure you subscribe, favorite, share, you know, whatever. Help a sister out and the brothers, too. Yeah. The sister, yeah. the sister, that's me, Lindsey Brown, your host, always and forever. My two brothers, not in blood, but from other mothers. Yeah, of course. Ryan Quigley and Ben Goats. What, what up? Hello, gentlemen. Hey. Um, we are going to take a quick look at the next, basically, week for your Golden Knights because they have four games remaining on their schedule before they take that Christmas break. And we can go home. But they are going to kick things at, off against the Minnesota Wild tomorrow night at T-Mobile Arena. Uh, the Minnesota Wild, who were mostly garbage to start this season, have basically gotten points in every single game since, I don't know, just before Thanksgiving or so. They are 16, 13, and 4, 37 points, fifth in the Central, three points out of that wild card position, at least the second position. And uh, they lost to the, the Chicago Blackhawks last night. But otherwise, Ryan, you know the Minnesota Wild relatively well. What's, I do. What's the bit? So they're finding their confidence. Finally, they're starting to get a little luckier. I want to say they're finding the net um, earlier on in the season. It just looked like guys were just there was no chemistry. There wasn't a whole. And I'm not huge into the whole chemistry thing, but or chemistry has no bearing yeah. in hockey whatsoever. <laughs> but it, it is a thing, though. You know yeah, what I mean? Absolutely. So um, finally, it looks like the lines are starting. Bruce Boudreaux isn't shuffling the lines anymore. They're mm. basically the, they're staying consistent every single game. And now you're starting to see. Um, Zach Parisi really get hot. He's starting to score basically every other game now. Mm-hmm. You're starting to see Eric Stahl. He got his 1,000th point last night. Yeah. Pretty awesome. Amazing. Cool milestone. Awesome milestone. Great goal to score for that point, for that milestone. Laser too. on the power mm-hmm. play. He's the 89th player in NHL history to hit that that mark, so that's pretty cool. That's insane. Um, and then you have Kevin Fiala, who's just turned it on. He's fantastic. Mm-hmm. He's looking like the dynamic, you know, 
play driving forward that he was in Nashville now. That so. they traded Mikhail Granlin for. Right. And yeah. you know what? Not good in Nashville. He has not been great. <laughs> not so great. they're really, they're starting to kind of hold their own now. And they're looking really, really, believe it or not, as awful as they looked early on in the season. They look dangerous. Right. So. It's oftentimes not who you play, but when you play them, that ends right. up mattering the most. And I know that the their rookie goaltender, uh, Kakinen? Is that how you say it? So there's not Kapo Kako, Kapo Kakinen. Kakinen. He That's actually just got all. he got sent down to the AHL today. Why? Because Devin Dubnik evidently is ready to back up. He's not. I don't. Okay, believe, so we should see Alex Stalock. It's, it's tomorrow likely night. going to be Alex okay. Stalock tomorrow night. And yes. he's been playing pretty. He's been he's been weathering the storm. Yeah, he's he's not putting up Vesna numbers, but no. he's definitely been playing well enough that it's earning them wins. And that's really all you can ask for, for from a from a decent backup goal. Oh, absolutely. So. We're, we are all very excited for this game because obviously Ben and I are from Minnesota, so it'll be kind of a merging of the two worlds. It only happens a couple times per year. On Thursday, the, the Knights are going to hop on a plane and take a quick trip up to Vancouver, who we just saw last night. Uh, they'll be playing, what's their arena name? Is it, uh, oh, I know this too. Rogers Center? Let's find it. No, Something like Rogers that. is uh, – hold on. We're going we're gonna to Google this. Okay. Uh, they play <laughs> Vancouver on Thursday. Vancouver, uh, obviously, they just beat them last night. They're fifth in the Pacific. Four points out of that second wild card position. Uh, the Golden Knights shouldn't have a ton of issues getting – or at least keeping that game close. Where is it? Rogers Arena. You were right. Rogers I was right. You're getting right. after it. Nailed it. And then uh, <laughs> they have the San Jose Sharks on Sunday. Ben, what do you think about the Sharks right now? They look in, uh, at least relatively decent. No, uh, they mean just fired their coach. They went back. That's a problem. <laughs> no, you feel for Peter DeBoer because, you know, he doesn't play goalie. And right. Martin Jones and Aaron Dell uh, continue to Hey, let's play not very clown poorly. on DeBoer too much, okay? Oh, that was good. Okay. Hey. okay. I don't think uh, Peter DeBoer was the problem with the Sharks. I think that team has a lot of issues. Yeah, they're old. And it's going to have a lot of issues the moving forward is because of their contracts. Absolutely. They are an old team, and they are definitely on the downswing, but they eventually will come back up, as they always do. Thank you both for joining me tonight, gentlemen. Thank you to Mark for keeping everything sounding great per usual. Uh, this has been the Nightcap. We'll see you guys back here next Monday, 6 to 7 p.m., live on CBS Sports Radio 1140 and streaming on the Radio.com app. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.